Old School Guns, the podcast that tells you like it is. Hey, this is episode number 9292. Um, anyway, you know, for those of you who know, I've been, I really haven't said this in a while, but our podcast is broken into kind of three parts. Um, one is kind of news relevant to the Second Amendment. The other is kind of gun culture, content creator, news and comment. And the third is my favorite, which is questions and answers. And, um, you know, the questions and answers come from folks like you. So if you want to have a question answered or have me comment on something, you can leave it in the comments section of Podbean and I'll address it on the next cast. Or you can email it to me at kbmakel at aol.com. That is kb. M-A-K-E-L at A-O-L dot com. Yes, I still have an old AOL address. I'll probably convert to Gmail here in the future, but um, I do have actually have a Gmail account. I just don't use it. But anyway, um, that's how you can contact me and leave a question that I will be happy to answer for you to the best of my small ability. So right up front, I want to kind of apologize. My sinuses are kind of going crazy today. No, uh, nothing COVID related, no COVID, but it's uh, every once in a while, um, I do get some sinus stuff going on. So just to let you know, so if my voice sounds a little hollow or if it's a little bit choppy because I've had to turn off the recording to, uh, to sneeze or something, you'll know that's what it is. So, of course, the elephant in the room this time and a lot of the other gun podcasts have weighed in on this as as i have a few of the you know youtube channels as much as they're allowed to speak about anything because after all youtube is controlled by big tech which you know censors speech that's what they do so anyway um the washington protest and i'm not going to call it a rot you know the hyperbole from the hypocrites the the democratically Democratic Party controlled media and the socialist media is really what it is. The socialist media, um, you know, they call it an insurrection and a coup attempt and all this garbage. And they talk about how evil it was. You know, people broke into offices and, and everything. All I'm going to say is, and, and two people were killed. And, and the woman who was shot was murdered, in my opinion. Um, I, I saw the tape. That warrants investigation there is enough just prima facie evidence on that video uh she wasn't threatening anyone's body yeah hey okay she was trespassing okay trespassing is not a crime and it's not something you shoot somebody through a door for um you know i i don't blame the you know the capitol police were trying to do what they were supposed to do i mean i i understand that but use of deadly force you know, when it comes to George Floyd and Michael Brown and all the rest of these, you know, the use of deadly force gets scrutinized. It needs to be scrutinized here also. And then a policeman was evidently hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and then some hours later um, topples over and, and is dead from, you know, kind of like the the only other case I kind of remember from that was there was a uh, an actress Natasha Richardson, beautiful actress, talented, and I think she was skiing down a hill, hit her head, and then a few hours later actually died from that that injury. This is this is seemingly the same thing. 
seemingly the same thing um, an injury to the head and then some hours later it proves fatal so you know nobody likes seeing that and two wrongs don't make a right if somebody steals an election um, basically tearing around the capital you know kind of breaking in there and and uh, ripping up things doesn't make a right but I will also say that there are some silver linings there and, and some other things one of the things is not all the people there went with that intent and the lying socialist news media and the lying Democratic Party don't want to tell you that most of the people who went there were doing what Donald Trump implored them to do which was protest peacefully and respectfully that's what he said I, I watched it on the television so no no Democrat no talking head is going to convince me different you know anybody who tries to tell me different I know is a patent false liar so uh, anyway most of the people there were peaceful most of them didn't want to do it there were some people who went in and did bad things they should be arrested uh, one of the things though that came out of that is those lawmakers people who live on this imperious Capitol Hill live like kings up there you know they're they're so much above their subjects they got a, a small taste of the kind of fear that happens this summer in a lot of neighborhoods and a lot of them were inner city neighborhoods where rioters decided they were going to burn things if you're a single mother with a couple of kids and people are running around looting and burning how do you feel you feel fear if you're like the st louis couple and a mob comes rampaging through breaking down a deal and then basically saying we're going to come sack your house we're going to do all this you feel fear enough fear so that you pick up your ar-15 and you face them down i mean those people on in capitol hill had people protecting them you and i don't you and i do not and the people in the inner cities where a lot of this was happening they don't either neither did the business owners where i live there's a, a very nice shopping area and uh I remember that thing being boarded up you know they boarded it all up because they were afraid rioters were gonna come in smash the glass and steal and and do all this you know those business owners have fear you know there's nobody protecting them there's nobody protecting them uh, so you know the the little the little capitalites in the Senate the Senate turkeys and the little the little commies in the House of Representatives I hope they were scared to use the term scared shitless I hope they were scared shitless because now they can understand they went out the Democratic Party went out and either like Joe and camel toe they went out and basically either said nothing or kind of said well you know this is the only way these people can be heard and this is the this is their way of expressing their rage they but the shoe doesn't go the other way the shoe does not go the other way and a lot of democrats were out there fanning the flames so there if if they want to hold donald trump accountable for the capital thing they need to be held accountable for what they did during the summer and it, it's just not going to happen you know it's not going to happen but that's the way it is i also look at the deal let's just say in an alternative universe that somehow georgia wisconsin Minnesota, Pennsylvania, they do a recount and they all go for Trump. Trump is reelected and the electors were coming. The, the Electoral College was coming to certify the, the victory and all that. 
So you have Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the Democratic Party, and any of their other, you know, violent kind of militia apparatchiks show up. And they protest at the Capitol, and it turns into a riot. Well, I guarantee they're probably the Capitol would have been burned. Let's see, what else would have happened? The Capitol would have been burned. Everything not nailed down would have been stolen. Yeah, they would have stolen everything. Let's see, uh, they probably would have killed two dozen people. Two dozen people would be dead. Um, let's see, George Soros and all those guys would have would have. Um, dropped off all the bricks and frozen water bottles and Molotov cocktails and all that stuff. So they would have been supplied by George Soros and his cronies. Uh, they probably would have, uh, you know, that, that all would have happened. It would have been a much more horrible situation. And the Democrats would have come out and made excuses for them, saying, oh, well, you know, it was largely peaceful. I, I guarantee you would have had one of the dorks from CNN standing out there and the Capitol would be burning behind him. And he'd say, well, it was largely peaceful. <laughs> I, I mean, they did that during the riots. So why wouldn't they do that during, the, during a Capitol protest? They would have stood out there and said, well, it was largely peaceful as the Capitol burns and the Antifa flags and, and probably ISIS flags are, are flying in the, in, the, uh, in the background. And the only other thing would have been in that neighborhood, if you have enough Antifa in there, there probably would have been, you know, 40 or 50 dogs would have gotten pregnant. That's about, that's about the other, that's about the other thing that would have happened. So, you know, had it been the other side, you know how this was going to play out. You know how this was going to be. And I would sit there and say that, uh, you know, I, I don't like any of that. I don't like any of it. Um, I, I think Trump made a, a, he made a mistake by holding that round. I wouldn't have, at a certain point, he has to let go. The, the, the election's been stolen, and that was not going to be a remedy that would overturn it. He should have let it go, because all it did was destroy his legacy. You know, and as much as I supported Trump, the, the good part about that is, um, well, there's not really a good part about that, but one of the things is, obviously Donald Trump is finished for 2024, which is probably a good thing. I think we need somebody. I, I would support Don Jr. for 2024 because I think he's younger, more vital. He's he's a little bit, uh, probably a little bit more careful in some ways, but he's a tough guy. I'd support Don Jr. in 2024. Um, but I think Donald Sr. is is pretty much done, and that's, that's just kind of that. Um, you know, but don't like seeing that. Don't like seeing anything like that. It goes against my first rule which I got from my special operations training is you know they're not looking for guys who can win the bar fight necessarily they're looking for guys who are smart enough to avoid the bar fight so you know that's that's kind of a change you, you want you want the smart thing to do is don't be where the trouble is and that's where the Kenosha kid made a mistake it's like if he'd stayed home that night he would be, you know, prancing around his hometown and finishing up his high school year or starting his junior college year. Um, I'm not saying what he did was wrong. It's never wrong to stand up for principle. It's never wrong to defend yourself. It's never wrong to, you know, engage in an act of self-defense and preservation of your own life. But there is some finesse you have to apply to that and maybe not put yourself in that position. Um you know, and I can talk about that a little later. That's why some of the some of the concealment guys drive me crazy with some of the nonsense they spew. But 
Um, you know, what the deal is you, you stay away from where you think trouble is uh, because nothing good's going to come out of it. And it's not like the movies. You know, I'm sure the Kenosha kid thought he was going to smoke those guys, go back to the police lines, and, and uh, you know, it's over. You know, it's just like the movies. Everybody sits around and has has a coke and a beer and 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 all that nonsense no it's not it's not over all of a sudden this whole legal apparatus is now just engaged like a giant factory all of a sudden it comes to life and its purpose is to put you through the mill as as the person who's who's uh, done something and that whole legal apparatus becomes energized and focuses on you and he's obviously found that out it just didn't end when you know he went down to where the policemen were and kind of put his hands up and said hey a couple guys tried to kill me so i i freaking smoked them it's not the movies it's not a tv western where everything has a happy ending it's it's definitely um going to affect him the rest of his life he will always be known as the guy who shot people in Kenosha and you know how do you get a regular job I mean I could tell you right now that probably even if he's found innocent which he will be if they look at the tape he will be found innocent uh, it's gonna be one of those situations where is he could he ever go into law enforcement I think that's too nuclear could he ever go into the military well possibly but I think they're gonna look at that pretty close I mean just look People are still talking to Bernard Getz, and what is Bernard Getz still known for? You know, the guy who, who shot the muggers in the uh, subway in New York probably almost 40 years ago. And certainly the early 80s, so nearly 40 years ago. And that guy's still known for that. That's what it is. Whenever anybody wants to talk to him, that's what they want to talk to him about. Rittenhouse will be the same thing. So um, avoiding that probably would have been a lot better situation, you know. Um, as much as you hate to say it, unless you're defending your person or your direct residence, um, I think it's a it's a mistake to go out there and mix up with these. Let the police do it. Let the police shoot those guys. You know, let let that guy who had the gun that that uh, was right next to Rittenhouse trying to pull the gun. Let that guy. Yeah, that's the guy who got his arm blown off, and that was oh that was sweet justice, man, because that five five six round messed him up messed him up so uh the guy with the gun yeah let the police deal with that he pulls a gun around the police guess what's gonna happen <laughs> guess what he's gonna get smoked so uh, you know it's better to do that rather than ruin your whole your whole life now i i will say if they're coming if they're coming up your driveway and gonna bring, like the people in st louis that's when you get out and that's when it's no holds barred and you play for keeps and uh you know i i fully am i'm fully am down with that i'm not saying run from these guys but you have to wonder the kenosha kid his mom brings him to kenosha sets him up with a rifle to defend you know a friend's i guess it was starting to be a, a business used car lot or a car lot or something you know i i kind of wonder it's like you don't really want to put your kid in that situation I know how strong feelings are sometimes, but you know, there's, there's sometimes there's better judgment than that, and that certainly would have been the case. Okay, yeah, let me talk about the concealed carry guys that drive me nuts. Um, you know, there are all these guys who go, well, 
when I'm expecting trouble, it's like, dude, if you're expecting trouble, you're not going to, don't carry a handgun concealed and go into it. Avoid it at all cost. They're, they're trying to say, well, if I'm expecting trouble, I'll take my, you know, double stack, nine mil, insert whatever kind of pistol there, you know. Or if I'm expecting, you know, if I'm not expecting trouble, it's it's the smaller, you know, pistol, maybe a little single stack type of thing, uh, you know, a little LCP type gun or something, something on that order. And if they're not expecting any trouble at all, they've got something else. And, um, you know, a tiny, you know, maybe 22 mini revolver. Have you ever seen those Freedom Arms mini revolvers? I mean... They're cool and they're well made and they're interesting, but I, I just never figured out the use for one of those. So anyway, they, they always have that. Um, so I, I always wonder about, you know, why carry a bigger pistol when you're expecting trouble? If you're expecting trouble, you really want to be in body armor and a right and have a rifle. And if you're expecting trouble like that, are you going into harm's way to 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 do that, or are you you know, defending your home. I, I get it. You're defending your home and you want to put on body armor and a helmet and, you know, have the uh, the snail drum, you know, for your AR. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Um, you know, defending your home. Your home is the one thing the, the, that I will defend ruthlessly until the end. And I mean ruthlessly. <clears throat> so I, I'm down with that. But my, my whole thing of expecting trouble and having these different degrees of handguns that you would carry if you're expecting trouble don't go there and don't think that your handgun as a good luck charm is going to get you out of it that's uh, just the way it goes so anyway i just wanted to kind of go off that the last thing i want to talk about in this part is serial bungler andrew cuomo you know this guy is such a pig he is scum he's you know he's up there with nancy pelosi as far as just being a vile evil scum this guy's first of all i guess his girlfriend moved out some time ago a few months ago and this guy you know he had that tweet of hey i'm single and ready to mingle all this guy cares about is his personal personal dating life he's the guy who put you know covid patients into old folks homes creating a disaster all kinds of people died because of that people who probably would have lived caught covid and died okay great that's that's bad enough and he's and then he writes a book and gets a pulitzer prize or some stupid stupid thing personally i'd take that prize and just you know hit him over the head with it because that's what he deserves but now because he's so incompetent and bungling a whole bunch of the doses of the covid19 vaccine have spoiled because he has some sort of restrictive idiotic uh plan of distribution which was basically withholding shots from people so yeah i mean you can't you can't fix stupid you can't fix someone that pitifully stupid you know it's better just to you know hey if you got these things and they're only good for another two days hey i just grab people off the street say hey yo you want you want the uh, want the shot and if they want it give it to them you know just so it's stuff doesn't go to waste but of course it's better if it goes to waste because somehow the vaccine is as bad as the disease in some there's some twist in the leftist mind that says that that is as bad as the as the disease so i don't know or it's just raw 
horrid in if it's raw i would actually rather have it be something ethical like saying i don't like this vaccine and i'm just gonna let it spoil i would i could understand that better than being just so incompetent and stupid that everything that it goes to waste that's just ridiculous okay talking about gun content uh, i had some conversations with some guys and these are pretty solid guys and they're they're sort of they're sort of preppers you know there are a lot of people who kind of like myself i am not a prepper i i am not but i do have a little supply of food and and i have i have stuff so that you know like fema i could i could last i could probably last a, a good week without anything from the outside you know i'd be miserable but i could last um but i have some food and all that kind of little bit of stuff put away but i'm not a doomsday prepper you know that's that's not me but these guys who talk about one what both of them were saying well i don't need an ar-15 and immediately when somebody says i don't need a high capacity defensive rifle i immediately my ears per perk up because i know what they're gonna say and probably so do you and that is well i'm just gonna find i'm gonna see some guy with an ar-15 and i'm gonna shoot him with and it's their deer rifle and insert whatever rifle caliber there is here whether it's a uh, you know 300 magnum 308 or 30 whatever it is you know bolt action rifle that they carry around and one guy is actually and then i'll just go get his ar-15 i'm like well that's a lot of assumptions number one the first assumption is this guy's alone and he's out wandering around uh in a manner that makes him easy to shoot especially from comparatively long range which a lot of deer rifles can't handle, if the truth be told. But the the deal is, um, it's assuming he's low. Then you can you can you know just skinny up there, pick up the stuff, and pick up all the ammo, I guess, and then go. Um, that's that's just absolutely delusional. Um, and and one guy actually even told me he goes, well, that's how that's how they did it in Red Dawn. You know, the real paradigm is going to be more like, you know, Patrick Swayze with his deer rifle and his down vest and. I'm like you. You can believe that. You can believe that. Um, my personal experience with that is well. First of all, I will say that most deer rifles have a difficult time hitting, and everybody's gonna everybody's gonna hate this, but I won't say most. I'll say a lot of deer rifles, especially if it's your Remington 700 ADL, like like the one I have in my my gun safe because you know it belonged to my brother now belongs to me and it's it's probably god it's probably 50 years old you know so it's got a loophole scope which is a nice scope but face it um you know it's a challenge to hit 300 meter gongs with it it, it was never designed for that kind of accuracy it was designed to be a very reliable deer rifle and it's it's in an old it's in a wooden stock you know the factory stock it was never bedded in any way it was never free floated or optimized for any of the tricks that we know today because the truth of the matter is most deer were then and are now shot at ranges under 200 yards and in fact uh, in certain parts of the country like the one I live now most deer are shot under 50 yards so you know, there you there you go uh so this rifle is ideal for that but it is not a long-range sniping weapon even though it is the vaunted remington 700 which you know has been used by all these blah 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 military units as a sniper rifle blah 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 but it's 
you know that their rifles are very very different than the than the average deer rifle so they they believe that they're gonna they're going to do that and you know of course my deal is hey any kind of a pickup rifle you get how much ammo comes with that and the the deal is well you know ammo just the guy's going to be carrying something okay so you get his basic load of ammo you get his rifle and somehow that makes your life better somehow that that improves things I think it's better to buy your own and have a stock of ammo rather than that. Because, you know, there's another thing. There's the ethical, moral, and legal aspects of all this. You know, what if you see the guy and he's he's kind of running toward, he's 300 yards away, he's, he's sort of running in your direction and he's got an AR-15. He gets shot and you find out that he's a federal agent trying to trying to go to he's going to your place to get help you know oops uh what happens if it's just an innocent person who lives in your neighborhood who you didn't recognize uh somebody who would normally be an ally of yours oops and what if just killing a stranger is against your moral and ethic ethical code like it is mine you know hey maybe that's maybe that's somebody else maybe that's somebody else just transiting the area trying to get back to their home i mean you know there's a whole lot of reasons why thinking like that i'm going to shoot the guy with the ar-15 and take it i mean you know that they're they're watching too much tv they're watching too many movies and when in when they reference patrick swayze in red dawn i think that's that's pretty weird you know that shows that shows that this is a you know this is it this is what the video game culture gets you and frankly i don't think I don't think it, a lot of people have the have the fortitude to do something like that. You have to be a hard hard dude to do something like that. Very very desperate. So I think always I always think that that's the delusional part of all that. The other the other uh, thing I was I alluded to a little bit earlier was my here is my experience or some of it anyway with shit hit the fan or world without rule of law whatever they want to call that. I served in the Balkans and I saw it and I served in Iraq and and I saw it to a lesser extent but I still saw it when you don't have strong or even decentralized authority that's that's in charge you have all kinds of strange things happen you have you have gangs that kind of take over and de facto they rule turf you know like we think of it gangs in the big cities only it's it's a lot more it's a lot more malevolent because they control the food and the water supply they control everything and they can come take from you whatever they want not that they victimize everyone but they they can if they want to and so you have these you have these entities you have some fragments of of military and police some of them are not exactly are working in their own interests and not the interests of you know it's not to serve and protect it's like hey we we're organized we have this at least this veneer of legitimacy and respectability and we're going to you know run things the way we see fit you know and um it's a very very you know tricky situation to be in you know when there's one well in the town or one water source in the town and everybody you know twice a day files up there with whatever plastic jugs or things they can find to haul water home in it's a very different life than what we have here 
very, very different. And you're a lot more vulnerable. You're a lot more um, at the mercy of not only supply and demand of things you need, but also the people who control that. You're, you're completely at their mercy. So it's it's a very different world. And I think the the stylized kind of dystopian or an even worse post-apocalyptic vision that's been of the world that's been transmitted by television in the movies is really just is really just fanciful and to base any kind of of disaster preparations on that world is is foolish absolutely foolish so i would I would say that you know if I hadn't run across those two guys I would have I wouldn't have really have thought about that but that was that was bizarre and and you see that in YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff you you see where they push this you know it's going to be a big zombie apocalypse and you're going to be out there shooting people without any kind of accountability afterwards I I think that's a mistake I think that's a big mistake because one of the things that will come back is rule of law I mean, unless it's the, the 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 most dire science fiction plot you can imagine, something always comes back, and it may be Hurricane Katrina. You know, look at that. It, yeah, the rule of law went away, but it eventually came back. A Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know, or any of these cities that had riots. Hey, could be the the rule of law goes away for several hours, and and it's 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 a free for all. However it will reestablish itself it will do that so um, I would be very very careful about uh, um, assumptions making assumptions uh, is a very very dangerous thing to do when it comes to uh, what are you going to do if the grid goes down or this happens that happens all those situations are not going to be the same okay next thing to talk about and this was kind of a a thing of a question that was asked to me a couple weeks ago and he goes just what are your five favorite handguns not the most effective not not is which one's better not the five best handguns which ones are just your your favorites ones you just like if you had to pick your five favorite handguns what would you pick so I, I took it as kind of well these are style of handguns individual handguns it would be obviously there are a lot that I have that have sentimental value obviously those are favorites but this is kind of taking sentimental favorites out of it um, you know a per, you know obviously the 1911 that my grandfather carried in the First World War which I now possess is is something that uh, uh, is a huge treasure to me and to other people they wouldn't really see it that way but to me they see it, I, I see it that way so my five favorite personal handguns. Uh, you know, okay, I will I will say that I love Smith and Wesson end frames, and the end frames I like the best. And these are not the most efficient. They're not the best. They're not the most high speed. But I love the 45 ACP revolvers, and um, the revolver I I my most accurate one is a 625, but I have a oh god it was probably 30 years ago they brought in from the brazilian navy the brazilian navy in in the 1930s bought smith and wesson 1917 style revolvers and they surplused them 
and there was a place selling them for 150 bucks a piece 159 159 so I, I purchased one and I really didn't know what I was getting and what I got was a revolver that was just was horrible looking I mean it had pitting uh, most of the finish was gone scratches all over it little tiny scratches all over it. I mean it had been well used but the bore was in decent shape and the chambers were in decent shape I mean they were it was, it was okay it, it was it was fine I took it out to shoot it and I used a 40 you know usual you know ball ammunition and that that shot to point of aim I mean the sights there's nothing as beautiful sometimes as a fixed sight gun that shoots point of aim so I really really like that gun and uh, I eventually its appearance was um, was so poor that I, I basically had it bead blasted and you know just kind of finished in a black kind of a black blue black finish and so the gun looks a lot better it's got still I still kept the original stocks I did put a the Tyler uh, T-grip on it to make it a little more comfortable to shoot but I really like it it's still got its crest and all those all those interesting things and it's just a darn good revolver it's just a favorite of mine hey it's nothing that's gonna win Camp Perry but it shoots uh, even even uh, 45 auto rim hand loads it shoots those at point of aim really nice gun great gun to take around if you have rural property or something and you want a, a good gun just to carry with you you know fun good gun to shoot that's the one that's that's a great one okay other guns that are my favorite and everybody hates it when I say these everybody hates it I love Desert Eagles uh, every every I and what I love about them is they're great guns they're they're really you know back in the day you could buy a, I bought a 40 I, I got into Desert Eagles because I saw a 44 caliber one it, it was the actually the first one of the first models and it had um, stainless steel frame and an oxide slide so it had that that dual tone thing two-tone thing going for it um, at that time I had some I had the cash I bought it and I absolutely loved it the the shooting plus P plus ammunition out of the thing it was so accurate you know the the, the Desert Eagle never gets the the props for how accurate they are but the 44 was just deadly accurate. I mean, it would shoot. It would shoot with target guns. I mean, that's how good it was. A powerful gun with target quality accuracy. It's awesome. Okay, yeah, it's it's big. So what? You know, I mean, the people who shoot a 500 Smith and Wesson, those are big. Except for the ones that have like a three and a half inch barrel. I never quite understood that, but they do. So anyway. Um, since it was a first model it could not be you could not just buy the conversion kit to 50 a and e so later i got a 50 a and e desert eagle and i liked it too it's got a, it's got more recoil but it's not punishing recoil and it's deadly accurate too i mean it's the the quality and i think it's also the polygon rifling they use but the quality of the guns are so good um that really they um they were absolutely and they got great trigger pulls. They're absolutely marvelous. They're really technically and just, you know, the execution and the technology and everything uh, just really make them a very, a very unusual gun and kind of one of my favorites, a very, very intriguing gun. And then I also have to love the way that people hate them. You know, all these traditional guys hate them so much 
And I'm like, you know, why? Just if you don't like it, ignore it. I, I don't care for Glocks. I ignore them. There's no Glock that I would buy. And I'll tell you that, tell you that straight up. Uh, as a matter of fact, friend of the podcast shared a Glock with me. We were, we were, uh, and he generously let me uh, fire it. And while I have no problem with it, I mean, if you if you like it, it's 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 your deal. I I don't care for the trigger pull, the the feeling of the grip. I thought they've improved the sights quite a bit since the last Glock I fired. So it's it's you know there, there's nothing wrong with it. Just not my cup of tea. Just not my not my Chaska Chaya. You know, not my cup of tea. So. Um, I, I just uh, I just don't really care for it, but I do like the Desert Eagle, and I realize there's some people don't. You know, like, like, <laughs> I remember watching some very very old, you know, retired law enforcement, you know, kind of revolver wheel gunners, you know, wheel the old wheel gunner kind of guys, which I kind of consider myself one too, sort of. But they uh, they would see the ones with the titanium finish, and they would just go mental. They what look at that that pimp gun <laughs> it just it was just funny watching their reaction i and i've never seen them react to the tiger stripe ones but uh i imagine i imagine those get about the same reaction so desert eagle uh goes without saying anything 1911 style i like you know whether whether it's the the real deal 1911s whether it's a target pistol built like a 1911 or even kind of the latest ones i like are star pistols which are clones of the 1911. I like them. They feel good. And it's something I was trained with. I, I enjoy it. And I really want to really will always have one. We'll always use it. And I think uh, for many people, it's the best choice. It's really, it's still, it's still an outstanding choice. Unlike the Colt single action army, which is hung around because of nostalgia. Unlike a lot of things that have kind of come and go. Um, it, it, it just it endures it endures and it has so the, the sum of the parts the sum is greater than the parts or it's greater than the sum of its parts I guess that's how I how I phrase it really a great pistol so I like anything like that another pistol I like and again this is no not saying it's better or worse or just just I just like it the Walther PPK I don't know if it's the the when you pick it up I don't know if you feel James Bond although the the you know the the theme does kind of go into the back of your head, you know, but stylistically, it is just a beautiful handgun, and they shoot well. The thing I like about them is they have the fixed barrel, and, you know, a 32 caliber PP or PPK will shoot amazingly well, and, uh, ah, they're beautiful, they're just absolutely nice guns, and they're one of my favorites. I just, I really like them. I really do. And I guess I'll round this out by saying another pistol that I've always found intriguing, another pistol that has always had this, this, uh, you know, kind of not really sinister appearance, but it's always had this business-like, you know, no frills, very efficient design appearance is the Walther P38. I mean... I, I like the P1s, they're okay, but for some reason they don't have the panache and the uh, just the lure of the uh, of the P38. Uh, especially like P38s when they have the uh, those reddish brown Bakelite grips, you know. Um, 
They're absolutely beautiful guns. They came out of this maelstrom of World War II. They're just wonderful. Um, if historically, they shoot well. They just the appearance is really something. I, I've always just really liked them. So realize that on any day, and tomorrow could be, you know, some of these could fall out and something else could fall in. You know, um, there's a lot of honorable mentions. The Browning High Power. I love that gun. It could have easily displaced some of these on on the list. Uh, really like oh end frames that are not in 45 caliber I like some of those uh, I've never my least you know that's a good question my least favorite end frame and I would say it's that's a hard question because I like them all but the one that I think underperforms the others is the model 25 in 45 Colt because 45 Colt is not quite as accurate I've never gotten the accuracy out of it that I could get out of a um, out of a 1917 or especially a, a 625 and 45 ACP the 45 ACP guns are more accurate it's cool I mean it's very very cool and for most uses it's just fine but um, it definitely would be uh, uh, probably my least favorite because it's underperforming the rest of them um, have a, a bit more accuracy so that's what I would say okay here's another just another thing I want to comment um, on a couple of gun podcasts you know of course they're defending the ammo industry saying well it's supply and demand and and all this I'm telling you the $50 box of ammo is not going to help our sport and Anybody who thinks that they are or thinks that that's going to encourage people to get into the sport or continue with the sport is huffing serious reefer. You know, um, right now, tall ammo, the stuff that was selling for, well, let's see, what was that selling for? I was selling for like $8 a box, $9 a box. It's now $25 a box. $25 a box for steel cased nine millimeter that cannot be reloaded and there are a couple places where you can buy a case of this stuff costs you five hundred dollars okay five hundred dollars a case fifty cents around that is not sustainable especially with all the nine millimeter guns out there um, what we need is steel cased nine millimeter ammo that sells for five dollars a box so when they can do that they will bring people into shooting um, if they can't do that, $50 a box is going to, is really going to hurt. And so we're going to have to see how that plays out. But, you know, the other thing they don't mention is, obviously, we, we've seen a couple of videos now. We had the whiner, the head of federal, he's head of federal, Remington, CCI, and what other else. And, and I said on the last podcast, this big conglomerate it has you know if those were all independent brands they would be competing against each other and and probably really radically increasing production but instead they're all under the same umbrella so it's just a different label that gets stuck on the box so while i'm sure that they're trying to produce more ammunition there there isn't the incentive there that there should be so i i just sit there and i i look at that and hornaday put out one they're not a huge manufacturer but they they basically try, you know, they, they basically try. But somebody is making tons of money off this. If tall ammo is now 50 cents a round, 
when in point of fact it's it really needs to be like 10 cents around it went from like 10 cents maybe 15 cents around to now it is 50 cents around somebody's making a ton of cash i mean a ton of cash their margin has gone from maybe something like 30 or 40 percent i would assume to now it's a 200 250 percent you know increase somebody's making a ton of cash so think about that you know if you're if you're buying every box of ammo you can find um, think about it if we could just stop buying for a little while let this stuff stack up a little bit I think you would see the prices normalize but that's a lot to ask okay we are now gonna go into my favorite part of the podcast which is questions and answers okay and the first first one is kind of a collector question what is the most unusual military pistol that is still attainable you know Lugers are very expensive now um, even even the cheap you know the cheapest ones which were the old Vopo Lugers are now expensive Lugers are all expensive now broom handle Mausers you know the Mauser C96 they're all expensive now and a lot of the early automatics are expensive now and and some people like unusual pistols and you can still if you have a thousand dollars to spend you can probably get a military 1911 of some kind you know US military 1911 uh, surplus uh, for collector purposes I think that you know some of those are still around you you between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars I think you have a good range of pistols you could get but they're not unusual because 1911s have been and are everywhere and will be everywhere so you want something unusual that was hard uh, uh, I would say I would say that there are a couple different candidates one are the West German P1s I think those things sell about under $500 you know there you got to get them all in the secondary market so yeah your mileage may vary prices may vary but I think you can get those probably looking at the uh, four to $500 region you know there there were a lot of them brought in a lot of them around uh, not a tremendous amount of collector interest but that's an unusual pistol it's a p38 style pistol for a little more money you can get a very unusual pistol which is the um, Swedish m41 which everybody calls a latey it's the the Swedish copy of the Finnish latey pistol uh, single stack kind of has that same uh, Luger uh, grip angle uh, a very unusual pistol kind of uh, kind of a blocky receiver with a with a uh, round barrel very very nice guns very very nice guns you can still find one of those you have to look around but they're 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 out there and the, some of the dealers have them and uh, they come with a very cool holster they come you actually it's one of those guns like a Luger where you have to use a magazine loader unless you've got like steel fingers and can can deal with that so um, that's a that's a very very cool gun and uh, it is attainable if I wanted an unusual military surplus pistol that's probably what I would go for that's probably what I would go for now if I don't care if it's surplus or not I just want a military style pistol the gun I would buy and and I would I would run to the gun store today but I would get a SIG P210 standard, the one with the fixed sights. Uh, they run about twelve, thirteen hundred. A lot of money, 
I mean, for me, that's a lot of money. But I will, I will tell you that, you know, number one, it's going to appreciate in value. Even though it's not a strict surplus pistol, it will appreciate. Uh, it's, you can still get parts in magazines for the newer model. It's the one made in America. It's fixed sight. They're wonderful to shoot. They're wonderfully accurate. Um, that's the pistol I would, I would also buy, consider one of those, too. Okay, next question. Do you think two-gun action matches will catch on and become more popular? And that was a reference to the the type that are featured on uh, Forgotten Weapons and In-Range TV. And I haven't watched any for a while. I guess they have Desert Brutality and Finnish Brutality and, and all these. Uh, my deal is no. Uh, they're not going to become more popular because they become too physical. Um, it's become... It, they have an element of... I don't want to say CrossFit, but maybe it is CrossFit, where they're throwing kettlebells around and hauling big things around that replicate mortar tubes or, or uh, uh, water-cooled machine guns or something. They're, they're hauling this kind of stuff around. At a certain, past a certain age, you, that's not a wise thing to do. And uh, I can tell you, I'm at the age where um, recovering from injuries is tough and it's easy to get injured. I got injured a couple years ago, ruptured an Achilles tendon. So I'm not eager to go back into that world again. And, uh, and you know, the older you get, the harder it is to, to do that. So I would say no. Um, if there is a niche for that, it's going to be with these kind of CrossFit athletes who do shooting. And what I'm seeing in that in the ones I've seen over a few years, and I really don't watch them that close now, but they seem to be getting more and more physicality. And that's, that's, it's a, it's becoming a shooting event for CrossFit guys, not ha not having an element of, of physicality for shooters. So it's gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. If they keep going the way they are, it will just be this small population of CrossFit dudes who also think that they're, you know, these kind of mall ninja dudes and you see them on that, those things all the time. The the, the guy from KE Arms, you know the the other and the other mall ninjas, and uh, those guys are you know you want to run around and throw around a kettlebell, that's fine. You want to you know climb on the the um, you know the wall with the, you know what do they have those those fitness climbing walls? You know you want to climb around on one of those with your stuff, and you know the, a lot of that stuff is fine. Um, I'm for I don't really. I think the other end of the spectrum is three gun where they don't do much moving or shooting at much moving at all and they don't do anything physicality I think, I think there's probably a little bit of something in the middle where you jump out of a truck you know you 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 get down out of a truck and 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 fire or you know i thought the the uh, film i saw the finnish brutality the uh, video of that was excellent where they you know they actually had a t-55 tank that you were climbing around and you know stuff like that could could be fun um but throwing around kettlebells picking up things and some of that other stuff just too physical and you know it's not worth getting hurt over it's it's a shooting match um now if they want to give you something that you have to carry that's fine it doesn't have to weigh 75 pounds and so i'll i'll just leave it at that if, if they make it so hey you've got to carry they, they used to have it where you carried like a a box of ammo or something something like that is probably a lot more realistic for most shooters a lot of us aren't crossfit guys and and 
if you're like me, um, you know, I've got a lot of parachute jumps and a lot of other things. In my trips around the sun, I've done a few things that, that probably have not uh, been in my best interest for uh, uh, keeping, keeping, uh, keeping me in the kind of shape that can do that. So anyway, I'll go from there. All right. Here's another one that's kind of related to that. Do you agree with InRange TV that the M12 UM84 holster is an excellent piece of kit? And, and fundamentally, I do. I've always thought it was a good holster. Um, I can remember I was embarrassed. I was, I was getting some weapons training from a, a, a really elite U.S. military group before I went to Iraq. And the guy came up, and I was wearing a UM84, and the first thing they said was, get rid of that. Get rid of it. Yeah, that's the first thing I did. And so I wound up using uh, several different things. But uh, I settled on, and everybody at that time, everybody drop leg holster because of the vehicles. Um, so I wound up using a drop leg holster. And I had a Safari Land and a, a Serpa. They were both good pieces of kit. The UM84 I like, uh, and in the few competitions I I operate in where I have to use a holster I find them to be very very good because I fundamentally use a Beretta um, 92FS 92FS so and and it's the the uh, holster was actually kind of designed for that pistol it'll hold others but for the Beretta it's especially good so I like it it's it's got uh, it's it's quick to undo the flap you can do the flap back on and it secures the pistol. The pistol has enough tension inside that it's, while you can still do a draw and things, it does hold the pistol in there if you don't get the flap fully secured. It's a, so it's a good for, for competitions, it's really good. For general use, if I were walking around my, my property, which I don't own, but if I had property, and I was walking around and I, had, I wanted to put on a pistol, that would probably be the holster I would use with um, an auto pistol. Uh, just a very good piece of kit very good piece of kit so yeah I do agree that it's a good one uh, the drop leg holsters I think have gone out of fashion I'm not sure that they were the best idea uh, there's there's good and bad with them uh, good and bad um, as a side note I always used a serp a Blackhawk serp of the ooh you know that's a bad that'll get you killed it's like well I used it for 14 months in Iraq and I never had a problem with it now I do take care of my equipment and I didn't spend a lot of time rolling around in dust and dirt, you know, like a, if, if I was on the Battle of Iwo Jima, I might have had a problem with it because it's all that volcanic dust and you're crawling around and, and all that. Iraq was very, very different. So uh, I did not have a problem with it. And I found that it was a great, a great holster for an M9 Beretta. Um, a lot of the problems people have with it is the, um, you know, when they're using the safe action triggers like on Glocks and, and a lot of the rest of the uh, uh, guns um, the polymer frame guns especially you know that's that's a problem but I never had that problem with an SADA uh, Beretta M9 so good the Serpa was a good the Serpa drop leg was a good piece of quit, uh, kit and what I liked about it was it had two attachment points on my belt so it wasn't like all the weight was, was kind of getting pulled uh, one way on on the single point like the safari land did but i found the safari land was very very good it's it's i got it in a box somewhere and i might use it again who knows okay 
If ammunition stays hard to get, are cap and ball revolvers a self-defense option? That's interesting because I would have I would have universally said no, they're a very poor option, and I think I've said that before on the podcast. Now today, I you know, the last time I was in Cabela's, I don't know if they had the balls, but I know they had caps. And I think I saw the balls available on Midway or graph or somebody so you and and the powder and the black powder and black powder substitutes are available so if you can't get anything else i suppose it's better than nothing um i would say that you should practice with it quite a bit so you learn the learn the pitfalls of cap and ball where i would see it is just what i was talking about in the, the last question Hey, if I'm a, I'm a guy and I own 10, 20, 30 acres, 50 acres, whatever it is, and I kind of go out and I like to have a handgun with me, that's a good gun to have um, if my ammunition supply, if, if ammunition becomes very, very, even more precious than it is now. I would say that uh, I would use, I would use one because I would use it for woods bumming or you know that's wandering around the woods i would use it for any of those those purposes um as a determined and dedicated self-defense ccw i'm gonna fight a bad guy type weapon i would i would say no but for general use handgun the same thing you would use a say a 22 magnum kit gun for or even a 22 you know like heritage rough rider type gun I haven't seen those being advertised for a while. I bet they're I bet they're sold out. Uh, but I would use a cap and ball for any of those. And you know, 36 caliber cap and ball is about what a 380 factory you know is. So 380 factory round. So you're shooting a, a a reasonable round. You go up to the they call them 44. They're really 45 calibers. You go up to that and you're shooting you know a reasonably powerful. Uh, you know something that's that's uh, you know a, a power class ahead of the 36s for sure but uh, those are good uh, those are those are good guns and uh, you know the, the thing where we're really lucky is nowadays I think Pieta, Uberti who are the two major manufacturers of these things um, they, they produce very very good guns they produce very very good guns so I would not have a problem um, you know carrying and using those i got a couple of cap and ball ones goes back i think i have you know one of my favorites one of my favorite cap and ball guns as a tangent here is an army san marco dragoon that i purchased um used i got to use they've, they've been out of business for a long time but it, it, it roughly is the quality of a uberti looks really nice and shoots very well but i really like the 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 walker is a little it's it's too big it's a fun gun but it's too big but the dragoon um is really a a fun it's a large pistol which i like large pistols so i like it it's it feels good in the hand and, and everything with it is is pretty uh pretty awesome so i really i really like that too uh let me see the next the next question is What is the most interesting gun-related YouTube video you've seen recently? 
And I'm going to do this really quick. There's a, uh, it's a group in Russia called, they're called Uri Gagarin, Yuri Gagarin in, in English, named after the astronaut because one of the guys looks just like him. And they're called Russian war diggers. So if you, if you uh, search on YouTube, Yuri Gagarin, Yuri Gagarin in English, Russian war diggers, these guys have got years of videos on there. But one of the ones they had, they were in this swamp. And I've heard this before, that essentially because of the cold, because of the mud, the oxidation doesn't happen as rapidly in, in that environment as it does in other places. They pulled out a PPSH-41 that I'm convinced could be shot today. It could be just hosed off. Um, perhaps cleaned a little bit but shot but they pulled it up and it showed them the safety they were still had the safety the uh, the bolt would still go back and forth all it was they, they could put magazines in and out and they could I, I guarantee I don't know what the board looked like obviously and these guys are are kind of linked they they turn over everything they find to the to the Russian government and uh, when they find remains they they take care of the remains and the uh, the Russian remains they try to identify, and they actually got them back some some remains back. They found like in one year they last year they found 50 sets of Soviet Army remains. They were able to identify four of them and get some back to the families, and the families were very grateful because they didn't know if their relative had died as a POW or a traitor or anything. One of them said, "We're so we're so proud that he died in defense of the." of the uh of the motherland and not uh you know as a prisoner or he didn't turn code or anything they didn't know what happened to him and they were very you know it gave them some closure and the german remains they find there's actually an organization that takes care of those and they repatriate them back to back to germany if in, if they can identify them especially if they can identify them but even if they're unidentified they, they take them so they're very respectful there are there are groups of guys that go out there and you can find this stuff on I don't know if you can find it on eBay, but you can find it on certain sites where, hey, they, you know, these rusted helmets that they've dug up and they're selling them for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I, I'm not in any of that. But this PPSH-41 was fireable. I mean, it, it, I looked at it and I said, if, I, if, if that were sitting in front of me, I could, I could probably work on that and make it fireable. Might have to replace a spring or something. But it appeared that everything was was functional, and the the mud and the cold had slowed the oxidation, so that um, it, it probably still had a, a reasonable bore also. So, amazingly, after seventy some years, that these things are still still out there. Now the scary part is they find all kinds of grenades and ordnance too, which I wouldn't like very much. I realize some of this stuff after being underwater is no good, but some of it, you know, that it's it's really scary. Um, there's one video where the guy skewers his hand on an old bayonet, and they find Moisen rifles. They, some of the ones I've seen, they it looks like they find probably in a year they probably find a hundred Moisen Gant rifles that have been, you know, that are they're all they're all roached and trashed, but they find them. They're they're out there. So it shows you the production of and the combat loss of, of equipment in war is just amazing. They find a lot of ammunition too, a lot of small arms ammunition. And some of it, I think, could probably fire again. You, you never know. You never know. 
but um, some of it looks better than the stuff you get from some of these importers. You know, I don't know. When I is the stuff that comes out of a swamp in in Russia better than more reliable than the uh, stuff that's been stored in Ethiopia? Yeah, probably so. I'd, I'd if I I had that's a real coin flipper on that one. Well, that's the last question, and this is it for another edition of Old School Guns. Remember, the podcast that tells you like it is, and what I want to tell you is, if you got any questions, put them on Podbean. I will answer them. Put them in the comments. I will answer them. Or you can, uh, as I said at the top of the podcast, kbmakel at aol.com, kbmakel at aol.com. You won't get an answer if you don't send it, so let it come through. Anyway, this is Old School Guns, out.